0: And helps you to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends,
1: treatments, and experience.
0: Magnesium
1: is naturally found in foods like sea.
2: This is the Well and Good Podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency.
3: Okay, it's time to commit.
1: And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place.
3: Before we dive in, we do want to note alcohol use disorder and alcohol addiction are serious and that there is a discussion of this in this episode. If that's something that's difficult for you to listen to and if you need a breather, we understand and we hope you'll join us whenever you feel ready and able. Dry January has come and gone, but what could a future of sober socializing look like? As a culture that puts an emphasis on drinking as the main social activity in dating, friendships, celebrations, and even workoutings, this can be a challenging piece of social interaction to face. And it's often agreed that if you're not drinking, you're inevitably having less fun. I'm senior producer Taylor Camille and host of today's episode where we're discussing how difficult it can be to respond to the question, let's get a drink, with, uh, I'm actually not drinking right now. Though there is a growing number of people that are exploring being sober to improve their sense of well-being, so as sobriety becomes less of a polarizing decision, how can we support people on their journeys and take a closer look at why we ourselves are often tempted to turn to alcohol for so many of life's moments?
2: For one, it's conspicuous, right? It's a type of behavior that is reinforced through film and social media advertising. It's this thing that we think is this really special substance that gives us really special times. I'm Holly Whitaker, and I am the author of Quit Like a Woman, The Radical Choice to Not Drink in a Culture Obsessed with Alcohol. I am the founder of Tempest, which is online modern digital recovery. And I also am the co-host of a podcast called Quitted, which is about quitting things if we don't have roots in our lives and we don't have these like rites of passage, or we don't have meaning or connection things that actually help us to navigate difficult things or help us to celebrate amazing things. We have these artificial substances that we turn to as surrogates to help us deal with confusion. We know that it's tied into an entire you know, year of our life or rite of passage. We turn 21 or 18, wherever, you know, whatever's legal. It's a big deal. We know it's tied to celebrations, weddings, births, you know, like <laughs> graduations, anniversaries. Uh, we also know it's a substance that we turn to when we go through a breakup or when someone dies or when we're under stress. And so this behavior of using alcohol is modeled to us. It's, it's really like, normal that things make us want to drink whether it's celebrating or or stress or sadness the truth is everybody can stand to look at the ways that they're hooked for me always was my way in to seeing the way that I was doing it was a very obvious way that I was killing myself and but an also really obvious way where I was stuck in a habitual pattern, if you're drinking a lot, you know, you probably have this as a fixture in your life. And for me, it was like, Oh, my God, I can't. This is all I know, you know, all I know is like how to go to happy hours, or all I know is how to like, get like one or two glasses in before I have a really good night with my friends, and we really connect. Or all Mm -hmm. I know is that in order for me to have sex, you know, I, I have to not really be in my body in this way. And alcohol really helps me with this and everything in my life really just, it, ha- it was a centerpiece of my life, which meant that my life had to be rearranged in a lot of different ways. And I couldn't imagine that. And so I, I think for me, some of the first things that I had around this were like, just noticing my resistance and my fear. Like I absolutely cannot give this thing up. And I think that, that, that right there anything that we feel so deeply attached to mm-hmm. that we feel if we lost this thing we wouldn't know who we were or we wouldn't know how to navigate our lives i think is a really that's a big sign right like that we're extremely dependent on this thing in order for our, our happiness or in order for our identity to exist mm-hmm. it's really important to look at those things that we just can't imagine living without and mm-hmm. it seems counterintuitive but it is a path to freedom
3: for a lot of people that relationship is reevaluated like at the top of the year we're going to do dry January and we're going to mm. you know try to be sober for 31 days i want to know like what's your opinion on that i guess sober curious tradition if you will and is it helpful is it harmful there's good things to it, and there's there's bad things
2: to it. And I love that it that you like you called it a tradition. Like it, just a few years ago, only a few thousand Americans participated in it. It was something mm-hmm. that started in the UK as a way to bring awareness. But people would essentially pledge to not drink for thirty days, or sixty days, or ninety days, and it started to normalize the conversation. Around taking a break from alcohol so that when somebody was doing this, they weren't pressured into drinking. It was respected. It wasn't this weird thing of like, why are you pregnant or are you on antibiotics or what's going on? Like, like people are really threatened by it because we're all supposed to drink. It also starts to normalize sobriety for people that absolutely cannot drink. However, it also, of course, like anything else, it starts to water it down, right? It starts to commodify it. So, this idea not drinking is very, very countercultural, right? It is weird to not partake in something the majority of people do. It's subversive to not drink. It's, it's subversive to go to, you know, 12-step programs or to recover from a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction. And, and I mean that in the sense that it's marginalized, right? It's a marginalized mm-hmm. experience. It's an anonymous experience. And I think that when you start to take something that is, is gritty and is life or death and is sacred and then you essentially, you know, sell it, put it back into the machine and then you start selling it to people, then you also start to, again, lose that whole sense of like why there is meaning in it. And so mm. I think that if we are like lowering and creating a more inclusive conversation around this, and I mean, inclusive by folks that don't necessarily qualify as having an addiction but this might be a preventative measure before they they become addicted i think that it also has to be respected that it's not a it's not a month <laughs> for some people and it's yeah. not a it's not it's a, not a trend. It, it is a life or death right so i mean it's it's interesting
3: but you know i think like we're all figuring it out Someone who is figuring out things for us to do is MJ Gottlieb, co-founder and CEO of the Lucid app, a platform for the sober community that includes people that are trying to get sober, struggling with sobriety, and even the growing population of sober curious people who simply have questions about sobriety. The app, which MJ began developing in 2017, helps people find activities to do that don't involve or revolve around drinking.
0: You know, I always tell people, because people say why do you allow the sober curious on the lucid platform and i'm like well everybody who's now sober was once sober curious so for me to deny someone the ability to ask questions the sober curious people to ask questions uh, i would be effectively potentially killing millions of people that would never have the chance to know whether or not they needed help
3: and as we all experienced We had to change the way we gathered in 2020.
0: When COVID hit, the increase in the feeds on Lucent, as far as people who were struggling, I I don't remember the exact number, but somewhere along the lines of like a 3,600% increase of people coming in and just in so much pain. Alcoholism is a disease of isolation. And suddenly we're telling people to isolate. Right Mm -hmm. people in the hospitality industry were coming in first because they were kind of let go first because the restaurants, you know, shut down. And, um, we just saw so much pain. We were happy from the standpoint of the fact that we had a platform of tens of thousands of people at any given time to, to support people, one alcoholic, helping another alcoholic, one addict helping another addict, because the only way you can help people is through identification. Right? right? Like, oh, I get it. I've been there too. Here's what I'm doing right now to get through this. Um, yeah. And so as we pivoted, then I always say we can use technology for very good things and we could use technology for very bad things. On a lot of social media and stuff like that, there's this compare and despair, living my best life on Insta or whatever it is. Lucid is yeah. a place where you can get vulnerable and talk about what's really on your mind and, and knowing that not only is it okay not to be okay, but everybody there with you identifies with that and helps you. So, I mean, Lucid is a very, all-encompassing solution, it really opens up people's eyes to the millions of things that you can do when choosing to live a sober life. Because if we look and see when we were drinking, it's all about, oh, it's five o'clock. What does that mean? Happy hour at the bar or the club. And when you take that out of the equation, you start realizing that there are some unbelievable things that you can do by the thousand when you actually get sober that are infinitely more fun than just freaking going to the bar. I created Lucid because I wanted to show people that sobriety is not about, you know, diners, coffee shops, and church basements. And if it was that, then I would have been continuing to use and drink. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you.
3: As we begin to socialize in person more, our social anxieties are higher. I myself am guilty of feeling like I need a social lubricant to ease my interactions and let my guard down. And I wondered if any of my colleagues had kind of been feeling these same feelings or have re-examined their own relationship with alcohol at one point or another. And I came across an article our senior beauty editor, Zoe Weiner, had written a few years ago about her attempt at socializing sans alcohol one dry January.
1: I'm Zoe Weiner. I'm Well and Good senior beauty editor. When I did Dry January, I was very much in the partying phase of my twenties and would go out a lot. Assume that I had to drink every time that I went out. I was coming off of a holiday season. I had been at some weddings, drinking a lot, a lot, a lot, and just felt like my body needed a break. Like physically, I just was not feeling my best, and it was not great for my mind, body, spirit. And during the process, found that it was a lot harder than I anticipated that it was going to be. Like I was feeling almost depressed and feeling like I had to say no to invitations and that kind of made me take a step back and take a pretty hard look about why I was drinking and how I was using alcohol in social situations and it really For me, highlighted the fact that I have a little bit of anxiety around social situations that I don't think I was as aware of until I didn't have alcohol to rely on to kind of quell that anxiety. So at first, yes, I said no to a lot of things, didn't really like the idea of going out and doing things without drinking, which was scary for me to realize. Versus now, I really feel like I drink only what I want to, when I want to, when it feels like I want to enjoy it versus something I need to have fun.
3: Were you happy that you that you set that goal?
1: Absolutely. And I think it taught me a lot about myself. I think it just put me in a much better place with my relationship with alcohol. It made me drink more mindfully in general. So it's less like I need to cut myself off for a month, but more like thinking about why do I want to drink or do I want to drink an X, Y, or Z situation? I don't feel like I need to necessarily... Do a dry January, but it's more like, let me take a step back and evaluate what's happening right now.
3: So I had to ask Zoe the obvious. Do you feel like you need alcohol to have fun? Yes. Yeah. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, definitely not.
3: And I ended up asking MJ too. Do you need alcohol to have fun?
0: Absolutely no. Absolutely not. I always say that getting sober is not the end of fun it's only the beginning not only can you have infinitely more fun sober but you can actually remember what you did the next day people also need to understand that up to 30 percent of people in restaurant establishments do not drink and so suddenly you saw some of the biggest alcoholic brands in the world investing in non-alcoholic beverage brands. And then you saw restaurants doubling down on creating mocktails. And and so they realized that that's a very, very large portion uh, of their clientele who choose not to drink. If you need alcohol, there's something going on with you. There's some blocking, something blocking you that makes you need to get out of the now. Even if you're not an alcoholic, you know, Why do we drink back to the, oh, my God, it was a hard day. Let's meet for happy hour and get effed up and forget about it. Why do we need to forget about stuff? Because what sobriety does is it teaches you to handle a situation infinitely better. And then the next time you're in that situation, you'll be clear and lucid. We get much, much better at life. So, no, I would say the exact opposite. Why are you drinking? Why are you drinking? What's going on there? And listen, I'm not trying to bring back prohibition, just to be clear, but like, you see, I'm a fun guy. I was not fun when I drank. I needed to kind of go somewhere else and just put as many drinks as you can inside of me so I can forget about what the hell is going on with me. So in order to be present, we have to be sober. So I'd say the exact opposite. We don't need to drink to have fun.
3: We've been through a lot the past however many years it's been since 2020. A lot has happened, much has ceased to exist in many forms. Being present is courageous and hard work. I mean, after my conversations with Holly and MJ and Zoe alike, I texted my own friends just to see what are some activities they'd like to do that didn't necessarily involve drinking. One mentioned aerial aerobics, the other mentioned a book club, and we all said we'd like to be more present and practice things that fill our cups not deplete or distract from our current reality. Holly had this to share with those of us on paths towards deeper discovery of ourselves. Any
2: human being that's on a path of self-discovery is going to have to look at the way of what they're putting into their body and, or let's just say, the ways that they're keeping themselves from experiencing pain or the ways that they're keeping themselves from sitting in discomfort of the ways that they're keeping themselves from looking at things that they're terrified of looking at. And alcohol is a really obvious example of one of the things that we all collectively do because we can't be with ourselves. And Mm -hmm. so I don't think everyone needs to be sober, but I think that if you're on a path of self-discovery and you are committed to it, you are gonna have to look at the things that you're using to escape yourself. People adore a person that can just be themselves, just be your weird dumbass self, you know, like over and over again. My friend invited me to brunch and I was the only person in that entire space that didn't need alcohol in order to be myself and I think that we forget that that is a superpower. It is a thing we have forgotten to do. And so what is required of us at this time is is awareness and consciousness and making decisions that will be impactful.
3: On today's show, you heard from Holly Whitaker, MJ Gottlieb, and Well and Good's very own Zoe Weiner. This episode was produced by Ella Dove, Helena Rosen, Abby Stone, and myself, Taylor Camille, along with many other hands and brains at Well and Good. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, share. Our mixing and scoring by our sound engineer, Joanna Samuel, and our theme music was created by Madeline Lakomsky and Matt DiDomenico. Our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette.